Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate so much you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We hope that we're a little different here because what we try to do, now this is easier said than done. A lot of people may say this, but we're trying to let the Bible be the authority, not necessarily what's politically correct, what will bring in the biggest crowds, what do we like the best, even what we agree with. No, it's always what does the Bible say. And if we say something you disagree with, feel free to call in. Try to keep it on a, with a friendly tone. That's what I'll try to do too. Uh, be kind, Ephesians 4.32, but we can discuss our differences. I mean, after all, we're trying to get at the truth there, and it's so important. People argue politics all day long, but what religion, the true, God's truth, which will set us free from sin, John 8.32, is a million times more important than politics. We've talked sometimes about the divorce and remarriage question, and a lot of times we read Matthew 19.9 on that question. Let's read that again. And I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Let's focus in on the first basic, the first basic sentence there. If I were to divorce my wife, Carol, according to this, for any reason other than her cheating on me, other than for fornication, that would be disapproved of by God. And if I remarry, let's say I marry Betty, that marriage, Jesus calls it adultery. Now, I didn't say it was adultery. Jesus said it was adultery. How can anybody think that you could stay in an adulterous marriage with God's approvals beyond me? I mean, could you stay in a gay marriage, a homosexual marriage with God's approval? <laughs> of course not. Then how can you stay in an adulterous marriage with God's approval? Now, we've talked about this before, but what I thought we'd talk about tonight is... You know, in the Old Testament, that's a different law. We're not under the Old Testament law. And God's law on divorce and remarriage was somewhat different in the Old Testament than the New Testament. We see that both from Matthew 19, 9, 8, and 9, and also Matthew 5, 31, and 32. Jesus actually contrasts his New Testament law on divorce and remarriage with the law of Moses on divorce and remarriage. But I thought it'd be interesting to see what was expected, what God expected, people to do who were in marriages that God did not approve of in the Old Testament law. In other words, an unscriptural marriage according to Old Testament law, what were those couples expected to do? Well, how about Hebrew, uh, excuse me, how about Ezra 10 verses 10, 11? It says, and Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, ye have transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers and do his pleasure and separate yourselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. You see? Now, if I understand it correctly, we're not talking about the same thing as Matthew 19.9, somebody being married twice and therefore the second marriage is an adulterous marriage because his first wife is still alive. That's not what we're talking about in Israel. I think that God had told the Israelites not to marry anybody from seven nations, seven foreign nations. And so we're talking about here Israelites who had violated God's law and had married a woman from those one of those seven nations. And what did God say to do? Did he say, well, I regret what you did? You know, that's regrettable, but it's okay to stay in that marriage. Well, that's what a lot of preachers say today when a people violate Matthew 19.9, the New Testament law on divorce and remarriage. They divorce, 
not for fornication. They remarry. Jesus says that second marriage is adultery. The preachers will say, well, that divorce and remarriage was regrettable, but if it's, it's okay to stay in that marriage. Is that what God said in Ezra? Now, they're in a, a marriage that's unscriptural, not approved of by God for a different reason, but what did God require of them? Did he say it was okay for them to stay in the marriage? No, he said, you must separate yourselves from the strange wives. And, and this is true, even though verse 44 shows us that some of the people had had children. They had taken a, a, a strange wife, a, a wife from one of these nations that God had said, don't take a wife from that nation. He said, basically, because they'll lead you into idolatry. He said, don't do it. And, and some of these couples had had children. Verse 44, it says, all these had taken strange wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. Even though they had children, God still said, separate yourselves from the strange wives. So why would anybody think it's different today? Why would anybody think that if you're in a marriage that violates Matthew 19.9, that Jesus calls adultery in Matthew 19.9, that you could stay in that marriage? Yet 95% of the congregations across the United States and Canada, where this radio program goes to, 95% of them say divorce is regrettable, but if you're in your second or third marriage, stay in that marriage. They won't do what Ezra through God's inspiration, told these people to do when they were in a marriage that was not approved of by God. God told them then to separate for those strange wives. So why would you think it'd be any different today? Of course, God's law on divorce and remarriage is different, and we're talking about a completely different thing here. Then it was because they had married somebody that was from a foreign nation. They had no right to marry. But still, after the marriage, God said, if you want to do what's right, you got to separate yourself from that strange wife. Why would you think it'd be anything to be different today? If you divorce your wife for any reason other than fornication and marry another woman, Matthew 19, 9, that's Jesus. He says it's adultery. You can't say, well, I'm sorry about that, but I'm going to stay in the marriage. That'd be like telling God, I'm sorry I'm committing adultery with this second wife, but oh, by the way, I plan to continue on committing adultery, staying in this marriage. No, obviously you got to terminate the marriage. Repenting of something means you plan to stop doing it. And so if you're in living in adultery, if you're committing adultery with a second wife you have no right to, and you want to repent of that and get forgiveness, you're going to have to terminate that marriage, quit committing adultery with that second wife, and seek reconciliation with your original wife, the one that you said in the very beginning you would stay with till death do us part. God expects you to fulfill those vows. Now, next let's go to Mark 6, verse 17 and 18. This is John the Baptist talking to Herod. Now, secular history... These are rulers, so we can read about them in secular history. Secular history says that Herod had divorced his wife. Herodias had divorced her husband. Now, Herod and Herodias are married. And John the Baptist confronts them and talks to Herod about this. We're going to see what it says in a minute. Now, let me say this. You know, Jesus nailed the law to the cross, Colossians 2.14. So Jesus hadn't died yet, so the Old Testament law is still in effect when John the Baptist confronts Herod here. But it's another case in point. What did God expect couples who were in unscriptural marriages, what, whatever the reason was, why they were in unscriptural marriage, a marriage that God didn't approve of, what did God expect them to do? Here's Mark 6, 17 and 18. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. So Herod had married Herodias. Verse 18. 
For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. So John said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have Herodias. Well, obviously he means you got to terminate that marriage if it's not lawful for you to have her. He didn't just say it's unlawful. it was unlawful for you to marry her. He said it was unlawful for you to have her. Meaning you got to get rid of her. And as we saw in verse 17, Herod put him in prison because of this. And eventually John the Baptist lost his head. He lost his life because he preached He stood for the truth on divorce and remarriage in his day. Now, the Old Testament law was still binding, but it was a marriage that God did not approve of. John the Baptist says, you got to get out of that marriage. It's not lawful for you to have her. And he eventually lost his head. Now, compare that to the preachers for this 95% of the churches across America and Canada. They wouldn't dare tell a couple to get out of the marriage. Have you ever known a preacher that said, this couple, you got to get out of the marriage that you're in because it violates Matthew 19, 9. Have you ever heard it? Has your preacher ever told anybody that? Well, of course not, because most preachers are worried more about attendance and contribution than they are willing to stand for the truth. And they might lose contribution, might lose attendance if they stood for the truth on what Matthew 19, 9 said. Compare that to John the Baptist. He was willing to stand for the truth and tell a leader, a political leader, that the marriage you're in is not lawful. And I'm I'm thinking John the Baptist might have known what was going to happen to him. He might have known he was going to lose his head, but he taught the truth anyway. He said it directly to the people who needed it. Most people don't aren't that brave, aren't that courageous. They'll they'll say it behind somebody's back. Oh, he's in an unlawful marriage. They'll say it behind his back, but they'd never say it to his face. He said it to his face and he lost his life. Well, the point is the Old Testament law was still binding at that time, but here's a marriage that God did not approve of. Did John the Baptist who's representing God here, did he say, well, that was bad what you did. That was regrettable, those divorces. But, oh, by the way, it's okay for you to stay in the marriage you're in. It's okay for you to stay in the marriage to Herodias because, you know, well, you know, you shouldn't have gotten those divorces, but it's okay to stay in the marriage you're in. Well, that's what most preachers, I estimate 95% of the preachers today would say, but that's not what John the Baptist said. He said, it's not lawful for you to have her. Again, I ask, would your preacher tell a couple at the church you attend that it's not lawful for you to have each other because you were married before? Would he do that? Would he have that courage? Is the church have enough courage to stand for the truth on this? If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Call us at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Let's use another illustration to make the same point. But let's go to the New Testament, but on, a, again, a slightly different subject. Let's talk about polygamy. Now, in the Old Testament, I believe the Scriptures did allow polygamy, and David practiced it, and a number of other Israelites, and it looks like God approved of it, but not so in the New Testament. Polygamy is not allowed. 1 Corinthians 7.2 reads this way. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Now, let me ask you this question. Suppose a man, maybe one of these men in the in Utah, you know, there's all kinds of men in Utah that have more than one wife. <laughs> I guess they've been influenced by the Mormons, but they maybe a man in Utah has four wives. Would it be okay for him to keep all four of those wives? Just say, well, you know, I, I can keep all four of these wives because... Even though God doesn't approve of these four wives, uh, I'll just tell God I'm sorry and keep all four of them. I'm sorry I married these other three, these last three, God, but I think you would want me to keep them all and take care of them and provide for them, especially if we had children. 
You think that's what God would want them to do if they had four wives? To keep all, all four of them? Or would repentance of this and coming into conformity with 1 Corinthians 7 verse 2, would that necessitate the man getting rid of the last three wives and be loyal and faithful to his original wife, the one he agreed to be faithful to, to have her and no other. What would God expect them to do? What do you think? Of course. I think everybody listening to this radio program would say, of course, Pat, if a man has four wives, if he has two wives, he has to get rid of the second wife. Then why do you think if he divorces unscripturally and marries another, he can keep the second wife? Why? Why would you think it's, it's, the second wife in a polygamous marriage is okay, is wrong to stay in, but not the second wife in a divorce and remarriage situation where Jesus says in Matthew 19, 9, he calls that second marriage adulterous. Marie from Alabama, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, yes, our, our church uh, teaches that uh, remarriage is adultery if it doesn't meet those qualifications. Um, that is great. What church do you go to, Marie? Marie? We go to the Catholic Church down here. And okay. Now, work. let me ask you this question. Now, would they, so suppose a man divorced his wife and it's not for adultery and he marries again. Your church teaches that's bad or wrong, but would they say you have to get out of that second marriage? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, you're literally not married according to them. You're not married. Okay, so they're saying it's an unscriptural marriage. You're not marriage. married. You're not married, and so you're, you need to get out of that relationship. Yeah, you're, you're actually committing adultery. So to say, yep. you know, you'd be well, in that, a civil marriage, but you wouldn't be in a in a blessed marriage. So are they saying they need to, that if you want to do what's right and be faithful to God, you have to terminate that marriage, that civil you marriage? Can't, there's no marriage there is what they're saying. That so what you I'm, do well, civilly you not answer my question. Count. Hold on, Marie. Sure. You, you, you sure. keep saying the same thing over and over, and I love you, but you're, maybe you're not misunderstanding me. Would they say you have to terminate that relationship? Oh, yes, because you're okay, still that's married what I to the first that's person. What I want, okay, that's good. Absolutely. Now, let me let me present this to you, Marie. I've heard that some Catholic churches will teach the, this truth, but then they allow annulments. And so you can marry a second time. All you have to do is get an annulment of the first marriage. Now, getting an the, annulment, is the same thing as getting unscriptural divorce, isn't it, Marie? No, if you receive an annulment, it is for the reasons that are that you already spoke of. All that all that is is saying that they've gone through and checked to see whether or not it was accurate. So, so I've understood that the Catholic understand? Church allows annulments for a lot of reasons, not just for fornication. Is that not true, Marie? That is not true unless you're talking about, say, fraud. Somebody came in and lied to begin with, which means that wasn't the biblical marriage because God never blessed that to begin with if somebody comes in and lies. Okay. Do you understand Marie, what I'm thank, saying? Thank you which so much fraud. for your call. Okay, yeah. Marie, thank you so you're much welcome. for your call. Melanie from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Um, I really don't know how to ask the question, but... My husband walked out on 43 years of marriage with the only excuse being that he needs to find someone else before he dies and that he doesn't love me anymore. Needs We've to find another woman. Needs to find another woman. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and 
I'm trying to figure out, everybody says, you know, just show him love, just, you know, be kind to him. I have done that my whole marriage, mm-hmm. and he still walked out. He's made up lies about me, and we won't go into that unless you just want to. But uh, Melanie, how, I feel the how, pain in your voice. Were you, you were never married, yes. what you, you were never married before you married him, right? No, no. And he I've, was never I've married, he was, was never he was never married before he married you, right? No, sir. No, sir. Okay. We've been so together he, since I was 14 years old. Been dating since you were 14. So, so now that he's left, yes, he's left the marriage. Okay. Yeah. Are y'all and, still and married and just separated or are you divorced? No, we're, they, I got a notice today that the court date was August the 15th. I and don't want di- a divorce. I, I want my okay. husband. He's divorcing you? But, Yes. Yeah. Has he committed and fornication I, against you? Uh, he did um, in 2003. Okay. He committed adultery. But, uh, in fact, he's over the years three different times. And uh, I have Melanie, I feel him. for I, you. I feel for you. Let's maybe I'll try to call you later this evening. Maybe we can set up a time we can talk. Further, okay. No, no need to get all your personal details over the national radio, okay? Okay. Well, the I, thing I, I, I need to know right, right now is how do I communicate with him when he won't talk to me? He refuses to see me. Refuses to talk to me. Yeah, you know it always takes two to tango. You can't talk to a person if they refuse to listen. If they won't even answer the phone. So I, right. I just right now I can't think of a way to help you. Melanie, I mean, will he read an email if you send him an email? Will he send, read a text if you send him no, a text? I, nothing? I sent him a happy, uh, the happy Father's Day text, and I got nothing. I'm very sorry. I feel sorry for you, Melanie. You're trying to fulfill your vows. You're trying to do what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 9 and Romans 7, 2, and 3, but he won't, he won't do it. He won't fulfill his, his end of the agreement that y'all made 43 years ago. Right. I'm sorry, Melanie. It's not your fault. It's his fault. Okay? You can't, marriage is one thing that you can't, it takes two people to be married. And take, like we say, it takes two to tango. And if he won't do what's right, you can't control him. You can't force him. Let me call you later and try to set up a time we can talk in more detail. Okay, Melanie? Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you. And I feel the hurt in your voice thank you for calling and sharing that with us and we'll be we'll try to be in touch okay melanie okay thank you thanks for your call we feel sorry for people like melanie who want to fulfill their vows but their spouse their partner won't fulfill their end of the agreement jesus if they commit fornication jesus says you have the right to divorce them for fornication So perhaps Melanie could divorce her spouse for fornication. She said he has cheated. And we'll talk to more about the circumstances later. But if they don't commit fornication, you can't divorce them. And if you do divorce them and remarry, you're in adultery. The question we're raising is, what do you have to do if you want to repent of that? If you're in a second marriage, an adulterous marriage, what do you have to do? We've shown two cases in the Old Testament times, they may not have been the exact situation we're talking about, but they were both marriages that God did not approve of. And in both 
cases, God demanded that they terminate that marriage. He didn't say, well, you did wrong, but it's okay to stay in that adulterous marriage. He didn't say that. He didn't say you did wrong, but it's okay to stay in that incestual marriage or to stay. You did wrong by marrying somebody from a foreign nation, but it's okay for you to stay in that marriage. He didn't do that. And then we talked about gay marriages. How about Romans 1, 26 and 27? It says, for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which is meat. Clearly, a bunch of passages in the Bible do this, clearly condemning homosexuality. We all understand that if two men are married and they want to get forgiveness for that, they're going to have to repent, right? I mean, you got to repent and be converted to be a faithful Christian, Acts 3.19. You got to repent of that sin. Does that mean, well, I'll repent of it, but I'm going to stay in this marriage, this gay marriage, sexual relationship? Obviously not. So why would you think if a man and a woman are in adulterous marriage, according to Matthew 19.9, it'd be okay for them to stay in that? But about 95% of the churches out there say it is okay. Now, if you go back 100 years ago, zero of those churches would have said it's okay to stay in that relationship, that adulterous marriage. Now, about 95% of the congregations have compromised. And because of that, the statistics say 20% of the membership of those churches is in a second or third marriage that violates Matthew 19.9 that Jesus calls adultery. Why would you think? You have to get out of a homosexual marriage, but you don't have to get out of an adulterous marriage. It's beyond me. It's beyond me. Let's let's read a, two or three passages now that are very similar to Matthew 19.9. We've already read Matthew 19.9. But if you have a Bible question or comment, now's a good time to call. 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Matthew 5.31 and 32, Jesus said, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put his way his wife, let him give her a writing, writing of divorcement. He's quoting Deuteronomy 24.1 there. He says, but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is divorced commits adultery. Not exactly the same, but very similar to Matthew 19.9. Both of them are contrasting Jesus' law on divorce and remarriage with the law of Moses on divorce and remarriage. Some differences there. And Jesus says, now under my law, the only reason you can put away your spouse is for fornication. And then Jesus speaking in Mark 10, 11 and 12. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. So it's the same for the man and the woman. If you divorce your spouse and marry another, you commit adultery. Now, this doesn't give you the exception, but Matthew 19, 9 does. The one exception to that is if they cheat on you sexually, you may divorce them for fornication. But other than that, you may not divorce them. And if you remarry, Jesus calls that second marriage adultery twice here in Mark 10. And of course, you're going to have to get out of that marriage. Let me try to take this call, even though we're about to run out of time. Anne from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, real quickly, I just want to mention that I've been with the same person since I was 18 years old. They started out lying, saying that they were not married and they don't remember telling me that they were. And I found out they had been separated for some years. However, they, in the beginning, said all these things about wanting to have a relationship with God and promising they were going to church. None of that happened. I've stayed married to the person 
Um, but over time, um, they basically turned from me. We don't sleep in the same room. We don't engage physically. And was he married um, before? And, I, and was he married before? Yes, yes sir. But okay. he then probably he you have found out. Then, then probably you have no right to be married to him. That verse just said it. Whoever marries the put away woman commits adultery. And I'm gonna have to let you go, Ann, because I'm gonna have to go off the air, but I'll call yes, you sir. later, okay? Yes, Thank sir. you, Ann. I'll call you later. And then Luke sixteen, eighteen, whosoever shall put away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery. Whoso marrieth her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. Why is it adultery if you divorce and remarry? Because Romans seven, two and three says, For the woman which hath a husband is bound or obligated by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, though she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So it's because you're bound to your original spouse. That's why if you marry another, you commit adultery.